this week, we are continuing our collection on Holy Ghost as we dive deeper into the person of the Holy Spirit. And so this week, we're talking about the gift of prophecy. Now, if you've been walking with us for a while, you know that we've talked about the prophetic here and there, but there's something about this season where we feel a pressing from God to really lean into the prophetic as a church community. And so we're really excited to dive deeper into prophecy today. But before we get into it, why don't we open with a word of prayer? Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today. Regardless of our history with prophecy, whether we've had weird past experiences, whether we feel hesitation or reluctance or even fear, I pray that you would show us the beauty of this gift that you offer to your church, to every single believer. Would you open up our minds? Would you open up our hearts? We welcome you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want us to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to start at verse 1. If you recall, two weeks ago, we actually visited this passage as we explored the gift of tongues. And so we're going to re-explore it again, because if you know anything about 1 Corinthians 14, it's like the chapter about spiritual gifts, specifically prophecy and tongues. So we're going to view it through a different lens today. So starting from verse 1, this is what Paul writes. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. And so Paul is making it very clear that a hierarchy exists among the spiritual gifts. It's kind of like, you know, I have two pets. I have a dog and a cat, fig and olive. You know, we say we don't have favorites, but come on, everyone has favorites. And Paul's making it very clear, saying, I love all the spiritual gifts. We should eagerly desire them. But yo, I have a favorite. This is why he says things like desire the gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but I would rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Paul's playing favorites. But why? What is it about the spiritual gift of prophecy that makes it Paul's favorite, that makes him emphasize and highlight it? That's what we're going to explore today. I think the first thing that we have to understand is that the gift of prophecy described in the New Testament is different from prophecy in the Old Testament. Now, if you recall, in the Old Testament, God would raise up these prophets who spoke authoritatively as God's mouthpieces. And so their words, whenever they spoke, it, were, it was the literal words of God. Their words were literally recorded as scripture. That's why they, they would say things like, thus saith the Lord. God says, the Lord says. Why? Because what came out of their mouths was unquestionably God and was to be taken as God's word and obeyed. By the way, if someone today says to you, thus saith the Lord, run. In contrast, the gift of prophecy in the New Testament isn't given to specially selected prophets, but to every single believer. 
That's why in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, they're re-quoting the prophet. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will what? They will prophesy. In other words, you may not be a prophet, but you have access to the gift of prophecy through the Holy Spirit. And so there's a distinction. We're not to treat prophetic words as the authoritative word of God as they did in the Old Testament and blindly obey it. We're to take the prophetic words we receive and weigh it against God, weigh it against community, weigh it against Scripture. In fact, that's why Scripture tells us the gift of prophecy must be tested. It's because they're spoken in human words and interpreted by human minds. And so there's a distinction between Old Testament prophecy and the New Testament gift of prophecy that we have access to. And so this is why prophetic words should always line up with the words of Scripture. Mike Bickle, founder of International House of Prayer, Kansas City, he says, If we have the word without the spirit, we dry up. If we have the spirit without the word, we blow up. But if we have the word and the spirit, we grow up. In my translation, we glow up. There's this beautiful relationship between the spirit and the word. In other words, the prophetic is not a replacement for the word of God. Direct revelation is not a replacement for the divine revelation given through scripture. We need both. But then the question is this, then what is prophecy? What is this gift of prophecy if it's different from Old Testament prophecy? What is it exactly? And today, I want to spend a little bit of time demystifying prophecy a little bit. I think when we think of prophecy, most of us think it's this weird, mystical, unattainable thing. But if we really dive into it, I think it's a lot more accessible than we realize. So I want us to look at some helpful definitions of the prophetic, of prophecy from minds that are way more brilliant than I am. Um, James Ryle, he is a famous, well-known pastor. He once said, prophecy expresses the heart of God through the words of man to a person or group in any given situation for the purpose of building up in faith. Another well-known pastor, John Wimber, once said, it is the supernatural ability to speak the mind of God on a given subject at a given time by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Mike Bickle, once again, he says, prophecy is the testimony of Jesus's heart for his people. Simply put, it's expressing God's heart for people. It's asking, what is God saying? What is God doing? What is God's heart in all of this? What does God think about this? And then it's discerning, how do I express this? And who do I express this to? Is it to a friend? Is it to a community? Is it to a nation? And so prophecy demystified, it's simply expressing God's heart to humanity. If we look back to 1 Corinthians 14, we see what exactly the purpose of of prophetic ministry is. There's three things that Paul says. Number one, it's to strengthen. It's for strengthening. Number two, it's for exhorting or encouraging. Number three, it's for comforting. And so we're going to explore these three aspects of prophetic ministry and see why it's so important for us to practice, to receive, and to make space for it. Cool? Y'all ready for that? 
All right, why don't we dive into that first word, strengthening. Another way to understand strengthening is to build up. Now, I think when most people think of prophecy, they think it's all about predicting the future, right? When will I find the love of my life? When will Breath of the Wild 2 debut on Nintendo Switch? Will 2021 be better than 2020, or do we have to wait for 2022? And listen, while that may be an expression of prophecy, it's so much more than that. See, prophecy is not just foretelling, it's forthtelling. Prophecy calls forth the purposes of God in people's lives. It calls forth people's identities and their destinies. Another way to look at it is foretelling is to know the future. Forthtelling is to cause the future. It's not just about what's coming ahead, but what's coming forth right now that will move us ahead. And so prophecy is not just foretelling, predicting in the future. Prophecy is about building people up. It's about calling forth people's identities and their destinies. Listen, it takes no anointing to see what's wrong in people's lives. In fact, so many voices in the world today are already tearing people down, criticizing them, telling them what's wrong with them. You know, a few years back, I think when I was 30, I was in a conversation with some friends, and they were talking about microblading. And someone made a remark about my eyebrows. They were like, yeah, Mickey, like your eyebrows are pretty cool. But if you filled it in a little more, it looked really good. And I was shocked because up to that moment, as a 30-year-old man, I had never once in my life thought that my eyebrows weren't perfect, that they weren't completely full. And that was the first time as a grown man, 30-year-old, I realized, oh, my God, my eyebrows aren't perfect. They could be more full. Listen, most people already know what's wrong with them. We're being fed uh, voices day in and day out about what's wrong with us, about all the ways we don't measure up. We're called to tell them something different. I tell the story often, but I was at International House of Prayer a few years back with Justin and my friend David. And you know, we were just there for a conference. We were enjoying it, having fun. I remember one afternoon we were in the lobby and this woman walked up to us, said, can I pray and prophesy over you? I feel like God has a word for you. And so she starts praying over us and she starts with my friend David and he's like, wow, David, there's a mighty call of God over your life. God is so pleased with you, so proud of you. You're doing amazing work saying you've been so faithful in the secret place, all these things. And so Justin and I, we're getting hyped like, oh man, can't wait to receive our word. Then she looks at Justin, but something changes. It's like the air grew cold and she looked Justin dead in his eyes and said, oh, but you, You need to pursue God more. You have not been faithful. You've been lazy. God says this, and he's just, she's tearing into Justin. And, you know, luckily we were mature enough to know that we didn't have to receive everything. And after she finished with Justin, she looked at me. She's like, don't even get me started on you. Like, you are so far from God. You're not doing anything for his kingdom. And, you know, for five minutes, you know, David's getting kind of pissed off. He's like, this is not right. We're, We're kind of finding it humorous, but she's just tearing us down, like tearing into us, speaking things that weren't true. And afterwards, we walked away. We're like, man, this is not prophecy. This is not prophecy. This is not building up. This is not strengthening. This is not edifying the church as Paul defined the prophetic. See, true prophetic ministry looks for gold in the midst of the dirt of people's lives. So even when you look at someone and you might see a bunch of dirt, a bunch of weakness, a bunch of faults, a bunch of imperfection, prophetic ministry is about looking for that gold and pulling it out. 
See, when people receive a prophetic word, they should feel like they've been kissed by God. I love that. They, they have been kissed by the divine, by the almighty. You know, before Krista and I got married, we were dating for a little bit. And actually, at the time, we actually kept our dating life secret. Um, because I was a pastor in a place of leadership, we wanted to make sure that this relationship was really going somewhere before we made it public. So if it didn't work out, it would be this big thing. And so we were actually dating in secret. So only a handful of people knew that we were dating at the time. And I remember one Sunday um, after service, a dude walks up to me who was just visiting from out of town. He's the brother of someone. And he, he's like, hey, man, I just feel like I have a word for you. Can I pray over you? And so he's praying for me. And this is what he says. He says, man, you know what? I just feel like God is bringing you your mini. And God's saying that he's bringing you this amazing partner and that your relationship, I just see you guys on this roller coaster and you're going up and down, up and down. And it's such an adventure. It's such a thrill. It's such a joy. And I was like, wow. Does he know? Like, did someone tell him? He's like, yeah, God's bringing you your mini. And God's saying, like, you're going to be her Prince Charming. And it's going to be this beautiful kingdom relationship. And I remember being so hyped, so encouraged. And it was so funny because afterwards, he's like, hey, you know what's funny? I actually prayed over someone just before you. And, you know, she was wearing these Mickey Mouse earrings and had this Mickey Mouse phone. I don't know. And actually, that was Krista. Like, Krista at the time had these Mickey Mouse earrings. Not not because of me. That's sick, y'all. It's because she loves Disney. She loves Disneyland. She had this Mickey Mouse phone case. And I remember after receiving that word, it it was like God was kissing our relationship. He was giving us his approval. He was giving us his joy, his delight over our relationship. And I remember feeling so encouraged, so built up. It was like I was kissed by God. It was this intimate moment. There was another time I was at International House of Prayer, different from the last experience that I had, but we were in a group and this um, amazing uh, teacher and leader at IHOP named Alan Hood was going around praying for people. And then he just stops and looks at me and he starts praying over me. And listen, we had never met. We're not wearing name tags or anything, but he starts praying. You know what? I just feel like God's saying, you're the Mickey Mouse of the kingdom of God. I just see that you are like Mickey Mouse, that when people see your face, when people see Mickey Mouse, they think Disneyland, they think Disney. When people see your face, they're gonna see the kingdom of God. And it was so crazy because we didn't know each other. He didn't know my name was Mickey. Remember afterward, I was like, man, did you know my name is actually Mickey? He's like, whoa, and we just had this amazing time. But I remember being so built up. It's like I was built up, strengthened. I understood my identity, my destiny. It was like I had been kissed by God. You see, what's lost when we neglect prophetic ministry in our churches is the full expression of people's identities and destinies. Listen, I would not be who I am, where I am, if it weren't for the prophetic words that were spoken over me. I wonder how many people in our in our church community, how many people in our city, how many people in our world are just waiting for that prophetic message from God to really step into who God created them to be, to step in to do what God created them to do. The world needs you to step into your God-given identity. The world needs you to step into your God-given destiny. The Bible even says creation waits in eager anticipation for what? For the children of God to be revealed, for them to be fully realized. And this is why we need prophecy. We strengthen one another. We build one another up. We call forth the identity and the destiny that's buried so deep within each other. 
And so the first reason why we need prophetic ministry is for the building up of the church of the body of Christ. The second is exhortation, or in other words, to call near. Prophecy calls people near to God. Prophecy compels people to pursue God with a fervent heart. I remember one service, I think it was like the second time ever I was preaching. But I remember as I was preaching, I saw a newcomer, and I just knew that God had a word for them. And so I finished my sermon, I finished the service, and I walked up to this dude after service. I was like, I know this might be weird, but can I pray for you? I felt like God gave me a word for you as I was preaching. And so I start praying for him. And the first thing that I see is a brand new iPhone, which at the time was like the iPhone 6, right? We were, everyone had the iPhone 5 and the iPhone 6, the keynote had just come out. And so I remember just praying, I feel like God says, you're like, you're like this iPhone 5, but he wants to upgrade you to an iPhone 6. But in order for you to get the upgrade, you got to go back to the Apple store. You got to go back to the source. And I feel like God's calling you back to the house. I feel like in this new season, he wants to level you up. He wants to make your life. He wants to open doors and, and pour out blessing upon you. But you need to come back to the house. And as I was saying that, he starts crying. I was like, man, this must be an Apple fan. Like, he must love Apple products. And after I finished praying, I was like, hey, how did that strike you? Like, what, did, what do you feel like God was saying? It's like, yo, it's so crazy. I actually work at Apple. And I have been far from church, far from God. But today I feel God calling me to return. It was crazy that after that day, he joined a community group. He got super plugged into our community. It was the prophetic. It calls people near to God. It calls people back to God. Now, I think a beautiful expression of the prophetic that I want to talk about that's highlighted in the story is a word of knowledge. If you don't know what a word of knowledge is, a word of knowledge is information given supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit gives you insight about something that you could not have known. Right, there's this famous uh, preacher or minister who actually would go to these stadiums and God would give him words of knowledge. And so he'd be like, Baker, is there a Baker in this house? Last name Baker, pink shirt that's wearing a pink shirt, and I hear the word sequoia. And someone will say, oh my God, my last name is Baker. Um, I'm wearing a pink shirt, and I live on Sequoia Street. Like, it would be crazy, right? Things that people couldn't know otherwise by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Or maybe God gives you insight about what someone's feeling or going through. You ever have someone pray for you, and they somehow read all your mail, right? You ever have someone pray for you, it's like, how did you know that? Like, have you been spying on me? Did you see my iMessage? Like, how could they possibly know? It's because it's a word of knowledge given by the Holy Spirit for prophetic ministry. One of my mentors in college, Pastor Gina, um, so many people would be terrified to be around her because they would be afraid that she would just know everyone's secret sins and know what they did that weekend, know every way that they failed. And I remember a handful of times I would come to her and we'd pray together and she'd be like, is there anything like you feel like God um, wants you to repent of? I'm like, what do you know? It's like, yeah, why don't we just pray a little more? And I knew she knew. And I knew she knew. Someone who just knows your stuff and reads your mail, that is a word of knowledge. And God uses the word of knowledge. He uses the prophetic sometimes to call us near, to draw us back to God. Um, when I was pastoring a few years ago, I remember one young adults, we were doing young adults ministry one night. Uh, we did this thing called treasure hunting. And basically what it is, is you spend time together as a group and you pray for God to give you clues 
um, prophetic clues about um, a treasure to pursue, right? And so, uh, for example, we're sitting there that day, we're praying, and we're all asking God, God, give us insight into where to go, what to say, who to talk to, who to pray for, like lead us to the treasure. And so we're praying, and you know, I hadn't eaten dinner that day, and so I was kind of hungry, but the first thing I saw, and I don't know if it was because I was hungry or if it was God, but I just saw two numbers, and I knew it was God. I saw seven, and I saw 11. So I was like, yo, I feel like God's saying 7-Eleven. And why don't we get some taquitos while we're there too? And so, you know, I got that clue. Seven, someone else got the color green. Another person, they're like, I, just, I don't know why, but I just feel like um, a hurt leg or pain in the leg. And so we went out, and 7-Eleven was just a few blocks away. We walked there. You know, I'm buying my taquito. I'm like, all right, if God doesn't show us the treasure or show us anything while we're out here, at least I'll get my taquito. As I'm ordering, one of my teammates taps me on my shoulder. He's like, look, that woman has a green shirt on. Like, oh, cool. Like, should we approach her? Should we ask her? So we, we walk up to her with our taquitos. We're like, can we, can we pray for you? We just feel like God led us to you. And automatically, you could see that she was moved in her face. So we start praying for her, and we're praying, God, would you bless this woman? Would you draw her to you, to your heart? Would you remind her of how much you love her? And she's like crying. And then one of our teammates remembered, okay, one of the, the clues that God gave us is pain in the leg. And so she, she stopped the prayers like, this might be random, but do you, do you feel pain in your leg? She's like, oh, my God. Like, my leg has been killing me for the past few weeks. I don't know what it is. I think I strained a muscle or something. And so we're like, all right, we, we feel like God wanted to highlight that. Can we pray for you? So we prayed for her, and she said, oh, my God, my leg feels completely better. And what was crazy is afterwards she told us, you know what? I had been far from God. I grew up in the church, but I had not been walking with him. But tonight, I just feel like God is calling me back to him. And so people should feel nearer to God when you prophesy over them. The prophetic should call people back to God, should call people near to God. People should feel nearer to God when they've received prophetic ministry. It should light something up in your heart that draws you back to the heart of God, that fills you up with the desire, a longing for more of him. And so prophecy strengthens or builds up. Prophecy is exhortation or calls near. But the third thing that prophecy does is it comforts or to cheer up. Prophecy brings comfort. It lifts people up. It lifts up their soul. I remember the first time that I've ever experienced prophetic ministry. I was at a youth retreat. And I remember at the time I was going through a really difficult period of my life. And someone came up to me during prayer time and said, I just feel like God has a word for you. She started praying. Like, I don't know why, but I see this image of you alone in your room at night, just crying and feeling so alone. But I feel like God's saying that he's right there. And it was crazy because at the time, there would be many nights I would be in my room, in the dark, alone, crying. I was like, how did she know that? Does she have a secret camera set up at my house? Like, what's going on? But I remember she started praying for me, and I felt my soul in that dark place being lifted up. There's something about God giving someone else insight into what you're going through that makes you feel so seen, so cared for, so pursued. I mean, come on, can you resonate? If someone's ever prophesied over you and you just feel so seen, you feel so known, and in that difficult season, I felt comforted. I felt lifted up. 
You know, whenever we have prophetic prayer rooms like we had last week where we invite guest speakers to pray and prophesy over our community, one of my favorite things is to see people. So what we do is we send people into the breakout room with them and then they come back. One of my favorite things is to see people's faces when they come back from receiving prayer. You know, some of them, like their faces are a mess because they've been crying, but you could see on their face that they have been lifted up that they have been comforted, that their souls have been lifted high. And it's like the way they walked in and the way they walked out is completely different. That's one of my favorite things to see because it shows the power of prophetic ministry, that it has the ability to comfort, to cheer up, to lift up our souls. And so prophecy strengthens. It's for exhortation and it's for comfort, it's for building up, it's for calling near, and it's for cheering up. Now, I do need to say this because I think it's so important. All this is beautiful, but we have to understand that true prophetic ministry always empowers people with choice, with agency. In other words, prophetic ministry isn't about telling people what to do. It isn't about having people dependent on you to hear from God. That's spiritual manipulation and abuse. This is why we never prophesy dates or mates, right? That's kind of like in a charismatic circle. You never prophesy dates, mates, or babies. You never tell someone specific dates like you should quit your job two weeks from now. You never tell them mates like you're called to marry that person. Or you never say, okay, you're going to have a baby in this month. We don't give that. Because we don't want people to rely on us to hear from God. We want to give people agency. We want to give them choice. True prophetic ministry should connect people to God and not place you at the center of their world. And so people should always walk away empowered to go to God and to discern for themselves what to do. You know, this is why when I'm prophesying, and this is what we teach our people, when you're prophesying, never just say, God says, or thus saith the Lord. We always say, I feel like God is saying, and we dialogue. What do you think about that? Is that right? Is that wrong? Like, do you receive that? It's okay if you don't. Listen, I want to make this clear. You are not rejecting a person if you reject their words. Each person has the ultimate responsibility of conscience for their own actions. And so we want to empower people with choice, with agency. When they receive a prophetic word, they have the option to receive it or not, to obey it or not. That's up to them. We want to make sure, though, that they draw near to the heart of God. They take their words and they they bring it before God and see what they are to do. I just wanted to make that really clear. So this is beautiful. Like prophecy is great for strengthening, for encouraging, for comforting. But, but how do we do this thing? There's three aspects to how we operate in the prophetic. The first is revelation. The second is interpretation. And the third is application. So I'm just going to go through this really quick. Revelation, listening for God's voice. Now, this can be on behalf of yourself, it can be on behalf of someone else, on behalf of a community, or even a situation. This can come as a word, or a phrase, or an image, or a scripture, or a thought, or a feeling, right? 
however God speaks to you. I know someone who gets very vivid, random, weird images. Like one time they prayed for me and said, I was a banana. And all of a sudden I grew arms. Honestly, I don't remember what the prophetic word was, but how you hear the voice of God is different for everyone. But the first is revelation, is asking God, God, give me a revelation, whether it's for me, for someone else, for a community, for a nation, for a situation, whatever it is, I want to hear your voice. And the second step is interpretation. Once God has spoken, ask God for insight about what he's given you. You know, many times, I think because I love movies, God will give me random movie characters for people. And I have to ask why. Like, God, why do you call this person the Hulk? God, why do you call this person the Terminator? God, why do you call this person Captain Marvel or Kung Fu Panda? By the way, I got Kung Fu Panda prophesied over me. I can't even name how many times, right? But you ask God, God, what is the interpretation? Why are you giving me this word? What does it mean? Tell me more. And the third thing is application. What do I do with this word now? Do I deliver it? If so, how? Do I hold on to it and just pray it? You know, there's a big difference between compassion and compulsion. Compulsion says, I must do this at whatever cost. It's about me. I need to get this off my chest. I don't know if you've ever met people that just have to get this off of their chest. It's really all about them. But compassion is which is what Jesus always operated in, says, I'll do this when love compels me to. It's selfless. It's about others. It's not about me. And I think with the prophetic, there are some words that are meant for right now. But there are some words where I'll feel like God is saying, not now. Hold on to it and just pray it until I release you. And so in application, we're asking God, God, what do What do I do with this word? How do I deliver it? Do I tell someone? Do I pray for them? Um, When do I deliver it? And so revelation, interpretation, and then application. And I think this is important to note. I want to end kind of, I want to park here. Compassion versus compulsion. You know, compulsion, like I said, is all about me. I want to operate in the prophetic because I want to feel significant. I want it to be cool. I want to have God stories and testimonies. And so I'll just deliver. I'll just get it off my chest without any interaction with God. But compassion, which is what Jesus moved in, was all compelled by love. It's for my love and God's love for this person that I want to prophesy or pray for them. It's for God's love for their heart and their situation that God wants me to give this word when and where. Listen, there is no power from God that is separated from his love. This is why Paul goes on to write before the famous love passages in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Listen, you could have words of knowledges here and there. You could be operating in the prophetic in such a profound way, but if you don't have love, it's nothing. And it's counterintuitive to God's heart for his kingdom. And so I want us to operate in the prophetic, not because it's cool, not because it's like weird, mystical, supernatural, not for our significance, 
not because we want to feel like we're mature believers or feel like we're making an impact in the kingdom, but because of love, because of compassion, because our love compels us to. And so this week, we want to challenge you to pursue the prophetic. And so there's two ways that I want to suggest that you can do this. The first is to ask for God, ask God for a prophetic word for someone in our community. Maybe it's someone in your community group. Maybe it's someone that you just know. Maybe it's some random person that you rarely talk to. I want you to ask God for a prophetic word and ask him what to do with it. Do you want me to just pray this over them? Do you want me to actually share this over them? If I, if, if you do want me to share this, do I share it through a text? Should I call them up, FaceTime them, whatever it might be, email them? I want you to ask God for a prophetic word for our community. And I want you to obey and, and how God wants you to apply that word. So that's one way. The second way that you can respond is I want you to try to do a mini treasure hunt one day. You know, just to kind of reiterate what I shared before, a treasure hunt is asking God for clues in the day that will lead you to a treasure that he has prepared for you. And so in the morning, it might be sitting with God, asking God, God, give me some clues. Give me some insights. I want to hear your voice about things that you want me to find today. And it might be a word. It might be a shape, whatever it is. And then throughout that day, I want you to look for it. And when you find it, I want you to pursue it. And this can look a million different ways. If you want to understand more about how to do this, you can seek Kristen and myself out. But this is a second way that I want us to pursue the prophetic this week as a community. You know, right now more than ever, we need the voices of the prophets to arise. There's so much noise in our world. And it's always been the prophetic voice that moved the world back to God, near to God. We need our prophetic voices to arise in this season right now in our world. You know, even right now in this week, this is why the church needs to vote. If you haven't voted yet, you need to go out and vote because not only is it your right as a citizen, not only is it a responsibility as an American, but as a Christian, as a church, God compels us to lend our prophetic voices through the vote. And so we have to get involved. We have to lift up our prophetic voices because the world needs it right now. One of my favorite theologians, Walter Brueggemann, he wrote this fantastic book on the prophetic called Prophetic Imagination. And he says this, the task of prophetic ministry is to nurture, nourish, and evoke a consciousness and perception alternative to the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture around us. In other words, there are voices, there are perceptions, there's a reality around us that is not coming from the voice of God. And so what the church becomes is an alternative voice, an alternative story, an alternative perspective. And the way that he does that is through the prophetic ministry. It's hearing from God, it's interpreting, and then it's sharing with the world. So I want us to tap into that as a church not just for our community, but for the world around us. And I feel like God is shifting us in this season. I feel like God is placing a special emphasis on the prophetic. And as a church, you know, it's easy to go with the plans that we have made, that we have in mind. It's easy to follow what everyone else is doing, but, but 
but we feel like God compelling us to stop and ask God, what are you saying to 99? I know what I want to say, but what are you saying? Where are you leading? What are you calling us to do? Who are you calling us to be? You know, I feel like strong sense that God wants us as a community to be activated more and more in the prophetic. Come on, what, what if it was normal for someone in the middle of worship to get a word for someone else and they message that person and pray for them? What if it was normal for someone to get a sense of what God's saying to our community and they post it in our thread during church online for everyone to be encouraged? What if it was normal in CG for someone to hear what God was saying to the group and they share it and lift up the group? Come on, what if it was normal in the middle of your week for you to hear God's heart for that random person, for you to message them and to pray over them? I long, and I think God longs for 99 to honor the prophetic in our community, to see this beautiful gift and to use it. I think he longs for us to be a church that eagerly desires and pursues this gift just like Paul encourages us to do. And so let's be a church, 99, that strengthens, that encourages, and that comforts one another through the gift of prophecy. I believe he's doing it, and we as a leadership are committed to it. And it's not about being this weird, charismatic church. It's about being compelled by love to strengthen one another, to draw one another closer to God, and to lift one another up. So let's do it, church. Let's eagerly pursue this gift. Even when we move beyond the Holy Ghost series, even when we move beyond this Sunday, I feel like year three is gonna be marked by prophetic ministry. It's gonna be marked by prophetic insight. It's gonna be marked by prophetic encouragement and prophetic moving. And so we trust God to lead us on this journey. And we're so happy that you get to be here on this ride with us.